Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 17. Booyah! Welcome back to the RunFit365.com podcast. I'm your host, Travis Lozier, and as always, the brilliant Coach Dan Cusin. What's up, Dan? Mm, brilliant's a pretty strong term. Yeah. <laughs> I always set you on this super high pedestal, and you never um, never cease to amaze us on these podcasts. <laughs> so just we, wait. <laughs> just wait, yeah. We've been saying that for 16 podcasts. Maybe it's number 17. <laughs> so we had a special guest do the booyah. Who was that? That's my daughter, Claire. She was so excited. Yeah, that was awesome. By far the best booyah today, but... Um, <laughs> I can tell you one person, once Olivia hears that, she's going to be ready to go and she's going to bring the pain probably on oh, episode yeah. 18. Um, yeah, it's funny how we get some feedback on the podcast from people that listen. And um, the last few notes that we've received from uh, people, I noticed a couple people signed off by saying, Booyah. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> awesome. Um, awesome. So this is 17, podcast 17. Um, and Dan, one of the things that we wanted to talk about is, is running by feel. So, Mm -hmm. um, there's so many different kind of approaches to running, um, you know, time miles and, um, interested in hearing your thoughts on just when you're out there, how do you listen to your body and and really, you know, base your effort on how you feel. Um, and, and then we'll do, you know, our favorite, um, part of the show is a random runner's world. And we'll go over um, and just pick a random article and see what we can uh, pull out of that and share with the listeners. Sounds great. Awesome. Awesome. So um, let's just jump right in. Uh, run by feel. Uh, tell us what you're thinking. So I, this is a kind of a, a hard thing to dial in. And let's just kind of talk about sort of three gauges, I guess, you can use. There's pace, there's heart rate, and then there's running by feel. And in my opinion, one, I think you have to use all three. But in my opinion, they, um, from an accuracy perspective, pace is probably the least accurate. Heart rate's kind of the middleman. And, and then how you feel when you run is the best indicator. <clears throat> and so I, I looked back at a workout that I did uh, in the summer, not this past summer, but the, the summer prior. And... I usually keep a pretty good track of, you know, how the how the workout went, what the conditions were, um, and then typically, you know, this is a tempo run, typically, um, you know, a week apart, and I just kind of put a week apart side by side, and <clears throat> noticed some pretty interesting things. This might be a good example of why running by feel is such an important thing, anyway. So, uh, let's take week A. So this is the first week um, that I did this tempo run. And the conditions outside, it was cloudy. The temperature was 80 degrees. The humidity was 59%. I had to look that up. I do that after most runs. Geek. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I had a cough. Um, Right. Apologize for that. Um, My average pace for it was an 8.04, 8-minute mile, 4 seconds. And from an RPE or rate perceived uh, exertion was a 6 to 7, which is about where it should be for a tempo run. 
and my average heart rate was 187. And I know my um, lactate threshold to be around 190 um, as my heart rate. So that's about the right heart rate. Um, that was a, a really good workout. A week later, pretty much on the day, a week later, I did the exact same workout. The conditions were significantly different in that it was sunny. There was no clouds to cover. It was about five degrees warmer. The humidity was almost 20, 15 to 20 percent, let's see, 59 to 74, so about 20 percent, I don't do quick math well, 15 percent. It was, it was more humid, let's put it that way. Yes. My average pace was an 832, so if you remember, that's almost 30 seconds slower average pace. My rate of perceived exertion was an 8 out of 10, so before it was 6 to 7. My average heart rate was 189, but I also um, noticed that I ended my workout on 196. Wow. And I had to keep going slower just to try to maintain that heart rate. I'm a, I use my heart rate monitor a lot, and I try to use that a lot. But here's, here's the thing. You notice that the same workout a week later in much different conditions resulted in higher heart rates and a slower pace. So... Thinking about those three things, and we'll talk about all three a little bit more in detail. Um, if I had just gone out there, hadn't looked at a heart rate monitor, hadn't really f felt how I was running, and I just went with pace, and I now let's just say my tempo run was an eight-minute mile, and I ran an eight-minute mile on week two, when I, you know, when I did it correctly, it was an eight thirty-two. Um, I would have been much much higher effort than I should have been doing. So that's why running by pace can be a little bit of a maybe inaccurate um, thing to do at times. And then if I had just depended on heart rate, <clears throat> then uh, perhaps I would have been also been into trouble. So all three of them are important. And just think about the variables that you have that affect your running. So things outside like the temperature, too hot, too cold, or right in the middle, um, humidity, level is significant because uh, it, you know, affects how you are sweating. Um, the precipitation outside, right now it's snowing outside here in Indiana. Yeah. Um, it could be raining, it could be, you know, dry as all get out. How sunny it is, if you remember on that first one, that first workout, it was cloudy and the sun wasn't beating down on me, the second one it was. Even if it's not any hotter or any um, more humid, just that sunniness factor can, can play in. How hydrated you are when you begin. How, how well your nutrition is when you begin. Um, uh, what did I write here? How, far, how, how well you're recovered, what your stress level is, the time of day, how exhausted you are. There's just a ton of variables that play into this stuff. So it's really important that you pay attention to your body uh, so that you don't get into trouble. So let's kind of go through... The three, and I thought we, I, I worked really hard on um, trying to spell out for people. And, and when you download a plan, this chart is in there. I created a chart that tries to tie everything together. And honestly, I tried to look for this myself on the internet and books. I could never find it. So, to my knowledge, this is the one place that has, you know, sort of all those feel zones alongside heart rate zones and things. Um, so we'll go over that in just a minute as well. Yeah, and before you do that, Dan, um, just as a compliment, 
just the other day, Alyssa and her training partner, they're both training for Boston. Um, they, they referenced that, um, that guide that you developed in the plan. And they said, you know, Dan said we should be right here. So <laughs> I told her that I told them both, I'm like, I'm going to have to tell Dan, um, you know, that, that you guys are using that plan, you know, that guide. So, um, that is awesome. Yeah. I, I thought you would like that. And it just so happened to come up when you mentioned it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Timing is everything. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about pace. So obviously you could go out there and you can, um, you know, just go by pace. And so first of all, it's, it's pretty decent. If everything else is equal, pace is a good thing to do. Um, you notice in the plans too, based on your goal pace uh, for your race, it gives you approximate paces that you could go. There's an approximate there because also based on, con- on conditions, you may be at a different pace. Um, the other pro for pace is it's easy to measure. I mean, with a GPS watch, um, things like that, or even the, the common pacing um, ways you can get your pace, it's pretty easy to measure. And then it can, if you're doing a, a faster workout, it can be pretty motivating. I mean, if, if you uh, want to run at a seven-minute mile, because that's what you're supposed to do, and um, you're running at a seven-minute mile, then that might be a motivating thing for you. On the flip side, the cons, it, it can lead you to going too fast uh, based on the conditions, like in, in the one that I just referenced for me two summers ago. Uh, so from a measurement perspective, a lot of people have GPS watches. That's a very easy way. And then um, just timing yourself on a watch. So pace is pretty straightforward. And I, I do think that pace is a good thing to use, but not by itself. So the next one is heart rate. And there's a lot of emphasis emphasis on heart rate. I'm a pretty big proponent of heart rate monitors. I use one myself. Sometimes if I forget it, I won't go for a run. And that's, you know, it's a bad thing. But um, it gives you good data and it gives you information so that when you train, you can kind of tweak your training. It, I think it's better than pace. It's more accurate uh, because if it is hotter outside, um, it's going to tell you your heart rate's higher um, than than the previous time. But remember the last time we talked about, um, what was our last podcast about recovery? Yeah your heart rate may not be telling the full story because if you aren't recovering enough, like we mentioned, then your heart rate can be all over the map. So although it is probably more accurate than pace, uh, if you don't um, combine that with how you feel, then you, you get into trouble. So it's better than pace. It's pretty accurate. You can, you can train based on heart rate stuff. It's easy to measure with heart rate monitors. Um, and it's great if you use it in conjunction with how you feel. But again, it's not 100%. Yeah. So running by feel, I feel, my perception is, is the most accurate thing you can do. In fact, you could do it without measuring your pace and your heart rate if you do it right. Um, it, it'll keep you in the right zone, especially if you use it in conjunction with the other two things. But it's also the hardest thing to, to dial in. It's pretty much all subjective. So, um, and if, if you've never downloaded a, a RunFit plan, I, and I'll, I'll put this in the blog post as well, but um, I put together a uh, how, to, how to run by feel and, and did it by running zones. So if you look at this, this chart, it breaks it up into 
five zones and then sort of a max zone in within zone five. And, you know, there's a lot of different ways to measure zones. That's just the way I chose because it's pretty typical and it makes sense to me. Um, and so we, we talk about within that grid um, which zone the races are on. Uh, you know, typically you'll, you'll run a, a marathon in zone three, maybe zone four, depending on who you are, that sort of thing. So it tells you uh, which, which races are in which zones. It also talks about uh, where your workouts fall in those zones. So we'll talk about that in a minute. And then down at the bottom, there is um, how you feel in the zone. So there's perceived exertion, and there's a 1 to 10 scale. Some people use a 1 to 20 scale. I think 1 to 10 is a little easier to uh, keep track of. How you feel in terms of your breathing. And then most people have heard the term conversational pace. So where, what it might feel like if you're trying to have a conversation with somebody. So let's walk through those five zones and kind of talk about those uh, various things. So zone one is really a recovery zone. And most people, unless you're a pretty advanced athlete, you'll probably recover by not working out. You'll take a day off. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, but it's essentially your recovery runs if you're an, a, a higher advanced athlete. Um, as far as a perceived exertion on a 1 to 10 scale, It'd be a one or a two, and you'd probably consider it very easy. From a breathing perspective, you would consider it pretty e or very easy. And then a conversation would be, you know, talking like normal, essentially. Uh, so zone one is, is very simple. Most people don't train in it um, unless you're just sort of, you know, walking at Disney really hard or something like that. Um, that's, that's more like zone one. Never underestimate walking at Disney, Dan. No, no way, especially if you're in a hurry to catch a tram or something. That's right. You might easily find yourself in zone two or three. Yeah, exactly. Um, so zone two. Zone two is basically your aerobic zone. Um, you do a lot of training with your, like your long run, your easy runs. Um, an ultra marathoner might run in this zone a lot. Uh, you can run a long time in this zone. And from a perceived exertion scale it's probably about a three or a four it's you'd consider easy rather than very easy like the, the zone one was uh, breathing is relatively easy it's you know you can have a conversation uh pretty you know this is a good one if you could do a long run or an easy run with a training partner this is the one where you could actually talk about your day or, or what's going on because it's conversation is still pretty easy in this zone um zone three is what a lot of people call intense endurance zone. So it's stepping it up a bit. Um, this is where a lot of people run their, their marathon in. Um, and so if you're doing training, then you might do your marathon um, training pace in this zone as well. And your, your easy runs and long runs kind of transition into this zone. Remember we've said in the past with other things, um, just because you see a zone and a line, that doesn't mean it stops and starts right there. It's just they all kind of blend into one another. And so on a perceived exertion scale, this is kind of like right in the middle. It's about a 5 out of 10. You might consider it moderate. Um, this is where your breathing starts to get a little heavier. Um, conversation, you could speak in shorter sentences. So we, we like to call it abbreviated. So um, you can still talk, probably a little harder. Uh, this is probably where you start to think, you know, if I'm going to have a training partner, maybe we could just, you know, agree at the beginning that we're not going to talk a lot, but it's still possible to do that. 
So transitioning into zone four, and uh, this could be called the sub-threshold, the sub-threshold zone. We talked about lactate threshold, um, maybe it was last, I can't remember what podcast we're on, but we talked about it one or two podcasts ago. And um, your lactate threshold basically happens between zone four and zone five. And so the sub-threshold zone, which is zone four, talks about the, you know, right up to that lactate threshold for you. So this is where you're really picking up the pace. This is a little harder. This is where a lot of people run their half marathon in. And the, a lot of people run their 10K up into this zone. So um, types of runs you would see, uh, half marathon pace for workouts, tempo runs, tempo repeats. <clears throat> you consider this on a perceived exertion scale a 6 to 7 out of 10, very likely, and you would probably call it hard. Um, your breathing becomes heavy. Uh, you could still speak words at a time versus, you know, in zone three, you were speaking in short sentences. Now it's getting pretty difficult to talk. Now you're thinking, I really don't want to talk. But if you had to, you could spit out a few words at a time. So that's, that takes us up through zone four and up to your lactate threshold. And then from there, it's basically speed. So zone five, and maybe appropriately so, these, these colors that I've chosen these zones are purposeful. Uh, zone five is red. Um, and in terms of racing, I mean, zone five really spans a lot of different things. It's from your lactate threshold on until you, you basically can't run any faster. So it's for a lot of people, it's still in their, their 10K, their 5K, their mile, your sprints, things like that. Um, through between zone four and zone five is still your tempo repeats. So tempo repeats can be slightly faster than your lactate threshold. And then VO2 max repeats and then other sort of repeats, um, like intervals, that sort of thing. So this takes you from, um, and the way I broke it up was zone five and then max. So zone five is really an eight or nine out of 10, and you'd call it very hard. Um, your breathing is very heavy, and you really can't talk. I mean, it's pretty much impossible. It's nearly impossible, and you're definitely not going to want to talk. And sort of that last zone is where you're just going at, at full capacity. It's a 10 out of 10. You're out of breath, and there's no way possibly you could even try to speak. So just taking you through, and, and that probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless you're staring at the, the graphics. So if you're you know, riding in a train or you know, listening to this podcast in a, in a place where it's not easy to pull up the, the chart, um, I will have it on the blog once we publish this, probably in the next couple of days, uh, as well as you could see it in any one of our plans. But it would be uh, good for you to take a look at that and just kind of understand uh, my perception of where those things feel, because really what you're going to do is try to apply um, these sort of um, descriptions and then try to apply it to how you feel when you're running and when you're training. And if you can do that and correspond each one of these things with your heart rates, um, your paces, then really there's no reason that you can't really dial this in. It does take some practice. Um, I've got a few tips. Before we get into the, the few tips, they're pretty simple, but Travis, do you, anything glaring that I missed? 
No, when you were talking, I mean, you did, did a great job articulating that, but I, I was also looking at the, the actual graphic that you have in the plans, and I was just going to reiterate kind of what you said. Even if you're listening to this podcast and you have a training plan, you've got a coach, um, it, I think it's worth it. Just, just pop on our site and download any one of our plans because um, you, know, you get the training plan in there, but you also get some of Dan's knowledge um, and this grid definitely would be something to, to look at. And, and you know, um, I was probably one of your hardest athletes to coach on this because, um, you, you know, athletes, they like things really black and white. And this is very subjective, getting to know your body, listening to your body. Um, and I have a feeling that pe some people listening still kind of live and die by, you know, I've got to go 20 miles today at this pace. Um, and, and once you accept um, kind of this proposed new concept maybe for you, um, it, it's very, um, I find it very value-added. For example, last week my um, long run was, you know, an hour 40 minutes. And I closed that run just based on feel, and we had some different kind of conditional elements here in the Midwest um, and it was just a tick under eight minutes. Compare that today, I ran two hours, um, almost perfect conditions here in the Midwest today in the morning, and I was under 7.30. Um, so I added 20 minutes. Um, my, I felt like I was still zone two, zone three, um, and um, hardly looked at my watch the whole time. I didn't know what pace I was going until... Um, you know, I essentially got home and, and stopped the watch. So awesome. It, it works and it doesn't add any stress. You know, there's no additional stress if you miss, you know, if you're not running your certain pace or you don't go your certain distance. Um, you can just really get out there and connect to your body. And that's really what it's all about. I think um, <clears throat> it's hard for people to get there. And that's kind of the you think about that stuff and you're like, that sounds kind of sappy, you know, but really, if you're not tuned into your body, then you're not getting to your fullest potential. So yeah. um, running by feel is tapping into that fullest potential, I think. Yeah. So there's a, a just a few tips here, um, and there's probably a lot more ideas of how to get to this, but I think the most important thing is to minimize distractions. Um, we've talked about this with... <laughs> hate to say it, but it ties right in with headphones and music. And um, there's a whole lot of reasons not to run with music, and there are some good reasons too, you know, situational. Um, but if, if you are paying attention to music or if you're watching the TV or if you're dodging traffic or any of those things that pull your attention away from what you're doing, you're not going to be able to pay attention to what you're doing. So, um, you know, how hard you're, you're slapping your foot against the ground, how hard, heavy you're breathing. I mean, a lot of these feel-by-zone things are um, you're breathing. And uh, before I tried, I, I really wasn't paying attention initially when I, before I started doing this myself and didn't realize how heavily I was breathing and how telling that is. Yeah. Um, so you got to be able to listen and, and really pay attention to things. Before you go to the next um, tip, Dan, I just wanted to say congratulations because um, you and I talked about this before the podcast, but trainingpeaks.com released 
kind of their top blog entries of 2014 recently and the blog entry that you um, documented around running uh, without music and headphones was essentially in their top half. Um, and I think that's a pretty big deal. So um, congratulations on that. That's very cool. You know, to thank you. And I would have never thought that blog article would <laughs> go that high. I don't know if people just want to know if it's a good idea or not or how to stop Chinese music or, you know, they're, they're reading it so they can you know, egg my house later. I don't know, but, um, yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see it was in that top 10 list for 2014. Yeah, it was very cool. Um, actually the second one was listen. So really that goes right along with, um, minimizing distractions so that you can listen. Um, but then finally feel and think about all the things that we can feel when we're running. Something is silly is how much you're sweating. Um, uh, sometimes I forget to hydrate, and if you're paying attention to, you know, middle of summer, it's not right now, but middle of summer, humid, and if you're paying attention to how much you're sweating, it might be a good uh, indication that you need to pay attention to hydration. So um, not only does it keep you in the right zone, but it keeps you doing the right things. So how much you're sweating, how does the pace feel? You know, in that second week that I did that tempo run, um, I tell you, it felt slow. It felt like I was going slow, but I knew that, and I was going slower, but I knew that if I went any faster or if I even kept up the original pace I started on that run, I was not going to get through that workout. And there's no point in, um, you know, there, there's no, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, if, if you ran an eight-minute mile, last week and an eight and a half minute mile this week, there's no shame. That's the word I'm looking for. There's no shame in running slower because it's not you, unless you're not getting proper recovery or something, it's likely the conditions that are stopping you. And if you try and, and keep that same pace and not pay attention to how the pace feels, then uh, you're not getting the benefit of that workout. In fact, you could be causing yourself more um, issues from a recovery perspective. Um, things like is your mouth wet? Is it, is it dry? You know, that could be telling from your hydration status. Um, and then how's your heart feel? Is it pounding out of your chest? You know, if it's, if it's pounding out of your chest, you're probably going too hard unless it's one of those really hard workouts. So just think about all the things that your sensory system can pay attention to and try to focus on those things and then try to sort of hone them in. So I'm just kind of looking at my cheat sheet here that I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I think I've covered everything. Is there anything from a, a zone or running my field perspective, Travis, uh, that you that you think about? No, I, I like the listening segment because um, I did notice that today on my run, you, you know, hydration is such a key part, um, you know, of running. But I was out there for two hours today. And I found myself without water, essentially. But you don't think about that when it's, you know, essentially the dead of winter here. Right. Um, and I think it just takes additional planning. I was able to get home and um, get hydrated. I didn't, you know, find a stop to get some water during the run. But, um, you know, never underestimate that for sure. But, mm -hmm. but that goes back to kind of the listening part. Make sure you're listening to your body. No, I don't have anything to add, Dan. Those were all great tips and a great segment on how to kind of listen to your body. Awesome.
Very good. All right. Well, let's let's shift gears here a little bit. So I got um, what mag what article is this? This is from the March 2015 Runner's World. This is a brand new um, magazine, and I'm flipping to page 56. And it's just a one pager, so we'll see if we can have some fun with this one. But um, it's called the Power of One. Power of One. And it looks like Runner's World did a poll, and they found that roughly 80% of people that responded uh, regularly regularly train on their own. So um, they find themselves running on their own. Just 1%? Uh, 80%. Sorry. Oh, 80%. Yeah, sorry. it's the majority. Um, and, and I haven't read this, Dan, but it, said, it looks like there's four subheadings here. It says push yourself, be accountable beat boredom and prioritize you um, and I look at this one prioritize you it talks about you know solo runs or selfish runs it's all about you and your pace um, and your body so it, it fits nicely with what we just talked about with, with you know especially when you're out there by yourself just kind of listening to your body and understanding how you're feeling during any given training run um, is there, is there anything in here that you want to focus in on? Um, well, what comes to mind is, so I'm, a, I'm one of the 80%, and I don't know if it, it's just probably just my personality, but I think we've talked about in the past, it, there's times where training with a partner is great, especially on the faster runs, if they're going to push you faster, if they're going to push you into the right zone. I think it, the trouble with, training with other people unless they're very well matched up with you is you potentially are not going to get the the max out of your workouts if you're either going too slow or too fast for where you should be um so you know there's always a time and place i I think when i do faster workouts I, i prefer to do it with groups and when i do other workouts i prefer to train alone but yeah i don't know that's that's a hard one and it's a lot of it's based on preference as well, but I will say, just kind of talking about running by feel, um, you will very likely not be able to pay attention to your body fully um, if you're running with somebody else, with the exception being the conversational. I mean, I guess you could focus on uh, where you are on that scale from a conversation perspective if you're talking to somebody, but again, most of those things are going to be more zone one, zone two. And maybe some zone three, and most of the other things you're not going to probably want to talk. Yeah, I I zoomed in on this accountable section a little bit, and, it, and they referenced this book called the the Winner's Brain, and it's talking about being accountable, and it says, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to have an accountability partner waiting for you at the door, um, just by signing up for a race that you know maybe a friend lives in a different state. You and your friend can stay connected now in more ways than ever via social me- social media, text. Um, there's so many different ways to stay accountable that even 10, 15 years ago weren't available. So um, I-, I think looking at different methodologies like social media can just reinforce, you know, what a physical training partner could do um, if you don't have that luxury. So I thought that was a good point. Yeah. Um, under the under beat boredom, 
they talked about you know mixing up your routes and your routines. Um, I think it's easy, and I fall on that trap today. I, I essentially did the same loop that I did um, last weekend, but I extended it by 10 minutes out a little farther. So what they propose here is mixing up your route, mixing up your routine. Um, they even talk about visualization and imagination a little bit to help um, you know, when you're out there alone. And I, I think we've all done this when we've been on runs. Um, it, it's easy and it's a perfect time to think about your upcoming race and just start visually preparing for how are you going to fill race day, what does it look like coming down the home stretch and maybe visualizing the clock and what your time says. Um, you know, when you're running solo, that's perfect time to do that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, then at the bottom here, there's a little, there's some quotes or testimonials from people that kind of just wrote in, it looks like. Someone wrote, I joined the virtual group Run Junkies. Uh, taking pics, sending out good vibes, chatting about our runs, runs motivates me. So I don't know if this Run Junkies, I'm guessing it's probably a social media site or a running club. Um, I've not heard of that. I haven't either. Um, so yeah, that's, um, you know, if you find yourself training uh, solo, uh, accountability, use social media, connect with runfit365.com if you need... If you need a nudge, we'll you know we'll give you a nudge if you want to. Um, beat boredom, it, you know, just talks about mixing it up a little bit um, and prioritize you. It's all about um, essentially what you talked about, Dan, in regards to listening to your body and uh, just connecting with yourself during your run. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there wasn't much to that one, but I think we we made it through that. Um, barely unscathed barely (laughs) yeah Um, anything else you'd like to add I don't think so Uh, but check out the uh, check out the grid I think uh, it's it's really cool if I say so myself again I didn't find anything out there like it so if you if you've always wanted to know kind of where things fall uh, where multiple things fall within the zone check it out and uh, let us know what you think and if you want to, Dan, we can edit the podcast and I'll say that for you because it is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. So download it, check it out. Um, check us out on Facebook. Follow us on social media. Um, Dan is posting these blogs probably once, at least once a week, um, getting tons of good content out on the site. Um, so just stay connected with us. Um, anything else, Dan, before we close? Nope. Nope. All right. Well, um, until next time, happy training.